listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant. To shot! LeBron James with no regard for human life! Jordan. Oh! A spectacular move by Michael Jordan! And now, your hosts. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Aaron Fishman, bringing you a very special episode of the On the NBA Beat podcast. As you regular listeners will know, typically we bring on a beat reporter or an NBA personality who has specific expertise on a team or some trend or phenomenon. And we're going to be doing that next week. Next Monday, we'll be releasing a brand new episode talking to a beat reporter we've had on the show before. And I'll leave it a little bit of a surprise, but the big hint here is that the team we'll be discussing is a Western Conference squad that hasn't made the playoffs for 12 consecutive seasons. If they don't make it this year, it'll be the 13th playoffless season in a row yet they've started the season really strong in a deep conference out west so that'll be next week in the meantime since we have another week before that'll be released i wanted to go over some early season trends with special emphasis on offensive and defensive efficiency for various teams in the league we're about a quarter of the way through the season so I thought it would be a perfect time to go through some of this stuff. Some teams have played a little more than a quarter of their schedule. The 76ers, for instance, lead the league as of recording time Monday afternoon with 22 games played. And the Detroit Pistons, for whatever reason, have only played 17 games so far. It'll all even out, of course. Each team will get to 82. But we're about a quarter of the way through. And... One conventional piece of wisdom is that offense is out of control. Some people love it. They love to see all these points. Others deride the change and pine for a simpler time, say the 90s when defenses clamped down and scores were much lower. Well, I'm here to shine a little light on that trend, but also debunk a little bit of the myth behind it. So... Points are considerably up this season, first. That, that is true. The median points per game per team is 110.1, up from 106.1 last year. And the average points per game is 110.5 per game per team. And that's up from 106.3. So essentially, teams on average are scoring about four more points per game. Now, the leader in points per game so far is the Milwaukee Bucks at 121.7 per game. Last season's leader in that category was the Golden State Warriors at 113.5. So that's a huge jump. That's more than eight points per game more for the league leader this season so far relative to last season. And the Memphis Grizzlies right now are 30th in points per game at 103.0, last season's 
30th place team in the category was the Sacramento Kings at 98.8. So points are considerably up. That's without a doubt. But offenses are not much more efficient. So let's look at those numbers really quickly. The median offensive rating this year, 108.1, up from 107.7 last year. A slight uptick, but very, very slight. And the same thing with the average NBA offensive rating. 108.3 is the average in the 2018-19 campaign thus far. And that's only 0.2 points per 100 possessions greater than it was in 17-18. So teams are not much more efficient offensively than they were last year, even though the points are way up. Now, why is that? The short answer is a greater number of possessions, and that was spurred by one significant rule change. And that was on offensive rebounds, the shot clock used to reset to 24. You used to get a a full, fresh clock if you got an offensive rebound and continued your possession. Well, this season, the shot clock resets to 14. And so because it's a shorter shot clock on those offensive rebounds, teams have to shoot quicker, thus contributing to a greater number of possessions. So it's not that teams have evolved this season relative to last year and have learned how to become more efficient with those possessions. They're just getting more of them. Let's dive a little more into the numbers. The leading NBA offense right now in efficiency is the Milwaukee Bucks at 116.1 points per 100 possessions. Last season's, by comparison, was the Houston Rockets offense at 114.0 points per 100 possession. And so other than the Bucks, this year's Warriors also have a better efficiency mark on offense than last year's leader in the category the Houston Rockets but when you average it out like I said before offensive efficiency across all 30 teams is about the same so those at the top are more efficient this year but also those at the bottom are less efficient than last year so just like what I said about this year's Bucks and Warriors being more efficient than last year's leader in Houston. Well, last year's worst NBA offense when it came to efficiency was that of the Phoenix Suns at 102.6 points per 100 possessions. And this year's worst offense efficiency-wise is the Bulls at nearly two fewer points per 100 possessions. And it's not only the Bulls that are worse than last year's worst offense, it's also the Atlanta Hawks. So it's just a wider disparity so far this year between the best offenses and the worst offenses. But when you average it out, again, offenses are about as efficient as they were last year, only slightly more efficient. So it doesn't really make that big of a difference. The other slight change with points per game, and I'm wary of putting too much on this, is the median free throw attempts per game this year has risen to 23.4 per team, up from 21.3 last year. And so that 2.1 free throw attempts per game uptick 
is noticeable. But then again, I don't know if it's fair to completely attribute that to rule changes because before last season, free throw attempts per game, the median league-wide was 23.1. So about what it is this year, only slightly lower. So um, clearly rule changes were made that increased free throw attempts per game. And so that's also contributing to points being up. But then again, it appears as if rule changes were made the previous offseason because the average mark we are now for free throw attempts per game is about where it was two seasons ago, if that makes any sense. So now let's jump into this more specifically. The Milwaukee Bucks, I mentioned, are the league's most efficient offense. Not only are they scoring over 120 points per game, nearly 122 actually, they're also scoring 116.1 points per 100 possessions. They've jumped from 10th in offensive efficiency last season to the number one spot, as alluded to before. They were at 108.8 points per 100 possessions during the 2017-18 season. So their points per 100 possessions have risen by 7.3. That's a big difference. Milwaukee's newfound love of the three-pointer under new coach Mike Budenholzer is one major reason for that jump in offensive efficiency. Think about it. If you're hitting your threes at any clip over 33%, all things being equal, that's equivalent to hitting twos at a 50% clip. So you increase your three-point attempt rate, and that increases efficiency. This season, 35.8% of the Bucks' points have come from three-pointers. That's the second highest percentage in the league. Second only to the Rockets, 39.4. So the Bucks now rank second in that category, percentage of points from the three-pointer. Where'd they rank last year? 28th, with Bucks triples accounting for just 24.7% of their points. Again, that 24.7% mark is up to 35.8% this season. And imagine how much higher it could be if the Greek freak could hit threes. Giannis currently ranks 6th in the entire league in scoring average, yet he's converted just 5 three-pointers all season. Chris Middleton, who attempted the team's most threes at 5.0 per game last year, leads the squad again, but is now up to 7.2 attempts per contest, and he's hitting them at a 42.6% clip. In addition, 7-footer Brooke Lopez, who never attempted more than 14 threes in a season, until his last year with Brooklyn, is now trying 6.8 trays per game and hitting 37.7% of them. That's how much the NBA has changed. Need another example? At 6'11", former Tar Heel John Henson has already attempted 31 threes this season after attempting a total of 13 over the first six seasons of his young pro career. For what it's worth, Mike Budenholzer's Hawks placed in the league's top six in percentage of total points from three-pointers in four of the five seasons Coach Bud was in town. So Budenholzer's teams have traditionally relied heavily on the three-ball. By and large, most of the league's teams have increased their reliance on three-pointers over that span. So it wasn't just Budenholzer. Here are the league-wide median percentage of total points from three-pointers 
beginning with the 2013-14 season and finishing with the median for the current 2018-19 season. Notice the trend. 23.2% in 2013-14, 23.5% the next season, then 24.9, then 26.6, then 29.9, and then this season a slight dip actually at 29.4. So every season over the past five years has seen an uptick in this number, percentage of total points that come from the three-pointer except for this season, which is down by just 0.5 percentage points from a season ago. Most notably, the biggest jump in that number was from the 2016-17 season to last season, when we witnessed a jump of 3.3 percentage points. The takeaway, at least so far, is that teams are still relying on the three-pointer to a great extent, but 2017-18 levels as a percentage of total points may be difficult to top this season and possibly next season as well. I don't know if that's that's peak points from three-pointers. It's probably too soon to speak about that. The league continues to evolve, but 30% is a lot of points from threes. And that 3.3 percentage point jump from 2016-17 to 2017-18 may not be sustainable. Okay, let's let's do some more trends. In year three, as head coach of the Nuggets, Mike Malone is seeing huge improvements in his team's defense. Now fourth in defensive efficiency, allowing 104.0 points per 100 possessions. In his first two seasons in Denver, despite the reputation for being a defensive-minded coach, Malone's Nuggets ranked 29th in defensive efficiency and then 23rd in the category last season. Thanks to the huge defensive improvement this season, Malone's team ranks top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency as the offense is again very strong like it was last season. The only three teams in the top 10 of both of those all-important categories so far are the Nuggets, the Bucks, and the Raptors. That's a pretty good group to belong in if you're Denver. One possible reason for Denver's meteoric defensive leap? Basketball Reference's continuity metric that uses minutes played has the Nuggets roster continuity at 99% from last season. With that said, Boston and Utah at 99% and 97% roster continuity respectively are both seeing huge dips offensively and are both very much disappointing so far after being widely picked to finish atop or near the top of their conferences this season. While neither team was elite offensively last season, both are now among the league's worst when it comes to offensive efficiency. Utah dropped from 16th to 24th, and Boston has dropped from 18th last season to 27th this year. To make matters worse, Utah has also slipped from holding the top defensive spot last season to being tied for 12th this season. While Boston is dominating defensively again, their 27th ranked offense has resulted in a disappointing 10-10 start for the team virtually everyone picked to win the East. Houston's defensive dip was expected to a certain extent, but probably not as steep as it's fallen from 7th to 23rd ranked 
defense in efficiency. So they did lose Trevor Ariza and Luke Richard, Bob Mute. And that's what I was alluding to when I was saying as expected. So they've been hurt in that area. Also, Carmelo Anthony playing an average of 29.4 minutes per game over 10 contests certainly didn't help their defense either. But I should note that Houston's been slightly worse defensively since they've gotten rid of Carmelo. So they have a lot that they have to work on defensively. The Rockets also lost their defensive specialist, Jeff Bizdelic, in the offseason after he announced his retirement. He was convinced to return to the team, making that announcement earlier this month, but he finally returned to the team a couple days ago. So that's another thing to monitor if his return to the coaching staff will be able to help the Rockets turn their defense around because right now, they're really struggling defensively, and as a recording time, they are a very mediocre 9-9 nine and nine after finishing with the Western Conference's best record last season. Stay tuned, we'll be right back with more show. This is Sekou Smith of NBA TV, NBA.com, and the Hang Time Podcast. You're doing the right thing if you're listening to On the NBA Beat. Now some quick bites before I let you go. It's been a lot of fun and hope you enjoyed it as well. The New Orleans Pelicans and Oklahoma City are seeing some interesting trends. Those are two teams this year that have significantly improved one side of their game while significantly regressing on the other end of the floor. And they're mirror images of each other. So let's start with the Pelicans. They've risen in offensive efficiency a lot from 12th last year all the way up to 4th of this season. But at the same time, they've slipped on defensive efficiency from 12th to 27th. So that's not going to cut it, especially in a deep Western Conference. Oklahoma City is the reverse. They're now the number one ranked defense compared to ninth last season. And they're doing all this with Andre Robertson not playing a single game as he recovers from left knee surgery. However, they had been ranked 7th in offensive efficiency last year and now are a very mediocre 16th. But this is an important disclaimer. It wouldn't be fair for me not to remind you all that Russell Westbrook has missed 8 of the Thunder's first 19 that's more than 42% of the team's games. Off-season drama involving Jimmy Butler and more recently the trading away of the aforementioned Butler may have taken their toll on the Timberwolves. Their offensive efficiency has declined from 4th best in the league to 22nd. The Warriors, not even close to as dominant as they've been in past years, Amid the Stephen Curry injury and other team turmoil, for instance, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant drama, Golden State has managed to remain an elite offense. As referenced before, they're ranking second in offensive efficiency, only behind the Bucks, but they've noticeably slipped defensively from 11th to 18th. The San Antonio Spurs have seen dips on both sides of the ball, but the defensive regression is the most start, going from 
fourth best in the league down to 21st. Now they lost Kawhi Leonard. He only played nine games last year, but such a strong defensive presence. Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, Kyle Anderson, Danny Green. As you can tell, lots of guys from the Spurs are not back this season. According to the basketball reference roster continuity metric I referenced earlier, the Spurs have 59% roster continuity from the prior season. That's the lowest under Greg Popovich in 17 years. Moving on, the Trailblazers and 76ers are both allowing a mediocre 108.7 points per 100 possessions one season after both of those defenses ranked among the league's best. Let's talk briefly about LeBron James. Cleveland's defense with him was horrible last year, and Cleveland's defense ranks among the league's worst again without LeBron. But it's their offense that's predictably taken a huge hit after losing LeBron. The Cavs are unmistakably tanking, and it doesn't take J.R. Smith's keen perceptiveness to notice it. We all see it. It's pretty obvious. Meanwhile, the Lakers, the beneficiaries of LeBron's offseason decision, remain above average on defense, but have simultaneously taken a sizable leap on offense from 23rd in offensive efficiency to 12th. Another team that's seen a big improvement so far is the Dallas Mavericks. They're now average on offense, which is an improvement. They were 24th last season, now up to 15th, and they've become a top 10 defense. They were 16th, now they're 8th. Slovenian super rookie Luka Doncic won't turn 20 until February 28th, but it's already clear how NBA-ready he was when he came into the league. Doncic is leading the Mavericks with 19.1 points per game, hitting nearly 40% of his threes, and adding averages of 6.6 rebounds, 4.3 assists, and around one steal per game. He's going to be very good for a long time, and is the odds-on favorite for Rookie of the Year. If you haven't seen him play or seen any of his highlights, check those out. You will not regret it. As we wind down, let's talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. On November 19th, exactly a week ago, NBA.com's John Schumann awarded the Clippers the number one spot on his weekly power rankings. This is a team that most pundits didn't even have making the playoffs this season in a loaded West. While the Clippers are very likely not the best all-around team so far, Toronto, Milwaukee, Denver all appear to be better, at the very least, the Clippers' jump from 19th to 11th in defensive efficiency has them knocking on the door for top 10 spots in both offensive and defensive efficiency. And as I mentioned earlier, only the Raptors, Bucks, and Nuggets have top 10 ranks in both all-important categories. So this season, the Clippers are ranking 6th in offensive rating, and that's without having a bona fide superstar. Although Tobias Harris is highly underrated, and Danilo Gallinari shooting 96% from the free throw line and hitting his threes at over a 46% clip. They're pretty deep too, having one of the best benches in the league. Schumann's latest power rankings, which were released the same day as this episode is being recorded, moved the Clippers down to number two overall on his list, one place below the Bucks. Not a bad place to be. And the last team that I'm going to highlight is the Memphis Grizzlies, who are defensively elite again. 
Only the Thunder and Celtics are allowing fewer points per 100 possessions. Last season's banged-up Grizzlies ranked 26th in defensive efficiency. Not exactly grind city, but this season's Grizzlies know how to play defense. That's their calling card, because their offense is not very good. Before I cite the final stat, I would like to implore our listeners to visit our page on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, give us five stars, review the podcast. It helps us reach out to new listeners, and we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for your consideration on that. Finally, the West is dominating the East yet again. They've played each other head-to-head 101 games so far, and the West has come out on top 61 times and only lost 40 times. It had been even more one-sided, but over the last seven days, the East went 15-12 and over their Western counterparts. For what it's worth, Last season, 12 of the 15 Western Conference teams had positive net ratings in head-to-head games against Eastern teams. Only the Kings, Suns, and Grizzlies did not. Sample sizes are very low this season, but so far, only four Western teams have a negative net rating when they're playing Eastern teams. Those four squads are the Suns, Spurs, Jazz, and Lakers. We'll see if the Timberwolves trading away of Jimmy Butler to the Eastern Conference will have even a minimal impact on this trend. Then again, the Timberwolves have gone 5-2 and two overall since making that deal. But one thing is indisputable. The Western Conference has the bulk of the league stars, and they're just so much better again this season. So that'll be another interesting trend to pay attention to. It's tough to be a good Western Conference team this year because there are certainly going to be Western teams that are very good, that are on the outside looking in of the playoff picture. Anyway, I'll end it there. I really appreciate you listening to this numbers-heavy quarterly review of the 2018-19 season. And as I mentioned in the intro, next week we'll be back with the interviews that you know and love. Talk to you soon. Take care. Hope you had a great holiday.